Welcome to the RGG EDU podcast, where they talk a little photography and drink a lot of whiskey. Season three of the RGG EDU podcast is brought to you by Smug Mug. Yeah, they got a ridiculous grin, and the name is funny, but Smug Mug is serious about photography. If you're ready to upgrade your photo game online, get your ass over to SmugMug.com to see where the pros are storing, showing, and selling their images. In this episode of the RGG EDU podcast, we are joined with the Dark Knight and the Queen of Photography Education, Chris Knight and Lindsay Adler. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. How do you guys like those titles, by the way? BT Dubs. Oh, I'll totally keep it. Yeah. It's, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's good. It's good. So we happy, have just wrapped. Happy to be here. We've just wrapped an entire week of shooting with Chris Knight, where we took his book and turned it into a tutorial. How do you feel? After, just, after a week of teaching, how do you feel? Uh, I'm exhausted, but, yeah. but great. Yeah. Very happy with how everything came out. and I produced some of my favorite images I think I've ever made. So good. it was a great experience all around. It was a good teaching experience. It was a good, a good opportunity to just really shoot some cool stuff. I'm really curious about this teaching process because it's very different from what you do um, when you're teaching classes, right? Because it's it, all on film. But Lindsay, this is something that you are a veteran at and now seeing the way we work. I'm just kind of interested in both of your opinions on this type of tutorial and this process, this method of getting your thoughts out to, to the audience. I have twofold. One from the side of someone actually teaching it and then someone from the side watching it. One of the reasons that I think the way that you structure things is very effective is that probably the most profound insights I've ever had into the photographic process has been by assisting people. Like I, I you know, I'd learned from reading books and I learned a bit from school, but when I watched a professional photographer work, that's when there's all these these things you never knew you never knew started to click. Right. Um, so I think that's kind of a lot of how you guys structure. It's basically what an assistant would do. You're, you're peeking in behind the scenes and, and trying to anticipate, oh, oh, I wonder if they're going to move that light next. Uh, so I think that is very cool because it's a different type of education than, than exists in a lot of other places. As an educator, it's super hard to turn your brain on to be able to explain when you're, when you're like you're in the groove of things. Because although I do teaching and I do shooting, a lot of times it's not like on my big, really creative shoots, the teaching brain's turned off and I'm just rolling a million miles a minute in the pauses. I feel like, oh crap, I'm, I'm going to break my right. flow. So uh, it's challenging. Uh, but in the bigger picture, it's interesting to have to articulate what you're thinking through because then you're realizing what you're doing. Right. It is hard to teach while you're actually creating the images, which I think is a huge challenge when you're doing a tutorial like this. But you got some of the best images I think you've shot in a little while. I think you're pretty happy with this. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled. Uh, <clears throat> th th there is definitely a switchover, and it does take a little bit of getting used to if you're, if you're not already used to it, which is the concept of articulating what you're doing out loud as you go. And even though I am a little bit used to it, it still took me a little bit to get into that groove and, and really just, yeah, you just have to think out loud. I and think you get excited too. You like you, yeah. you get so excited yeah. if you really like the images that you just want to click more. Why do you guys teach? I teach for several reasons. Um, the grand reason is I really like my life. I really like shooting, and I want people to be able to reach their goals more quickly. It took me forever to take a photograph that I would be proud to show somebody now. 
like it, it's I've been shooting about 16 years. I don't think I took what I would still today call a great photograph until 10 years in. I would like to save people some of that effort, you know, and help them get to that faster. Yeah, I think the lack of selfishness is is one of the, the, the key things. Uh, so many people want to keep what they do under lock and key uh, because they're worried about other people coming in and, and taking from them. I think that's the total wrong mentality to go about it. I think, you know, you, you talk about this, Lindsay, which is the idea of, of generosity and reciprocity. And, you know, because we are both more so in the educational realm, um, that's just such an important characteristic uh, in terms of how we, we facilitate most of our, our decisions in, in, in the world, which is you, you want people to learn because if, if they're not, what, what are we even doing here? So I, I really like that phrase, generosity and reciprocity. I think it, I think it, uh, it means a lot. And the, the idea of paranoia uh, is something I was actually just having this conversation a couple of weeks ago with a, another photographer friend of mine. And I think that the, the world of online teaching is starting to break that cycle of paranoia that has been in the photographic world forever. There was a, such a long period of time where people did not want to share because they were afraid of grooming the competition and giving things away. Exactly. Now the reverse is happening. People want to share because they want to make the business better as a whole. Yeah, and I, I have, my feeling on it is if you are thinking you have a couple secrets that if you share, then everyone's going to be as good as you, you better step up your game. Like that shouldn't be, it shouldn't be one lighting trick yeah, that exactly. you do that makes you the good photographer. Sure. And I think by constantly for me having me sharing all the time, it's always pushing me to figure out something new. Like what is my next, the next trick? But yeah, that, that better not be the only reason you're successful. Yeah. Also, as soon as you become complacent with your thing, if that's your thing, then, I mean, you're just, you're, 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 you're over the, you're over your cresting and you're just, it's downhill from there. So I think that that's an absolutely great point, which is. By by putting something out there and creating something new, then it forces you to move on and create something additionally totally. that's, that's new. How long have the two of you been collaborating? Because you guys worked really well together on set. I mean, you definitely have a similar mind, a, a similar aesthetic. Have I been on set with you before besides when you shot me? A couple times. Um, not not often. Yeah. Was this the first major time you guys were on set? Yeah. Well, we, In this capacity? I I think so. We talk Another about... RGG EDU first, Rob Graham. Oh, wow. Boom. Congratulations. Congratulations, congratulations guys. <laughs> <laughs> well done. We talk about Also, congratulations about the hot dogs. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. In case you don't know, the hot dog was invented here in St. Louis. It was debuted here in St. Louis in the 1904 World's Fair. That was a fact that... You know what else was? <laughs> what? The waffle cone. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. And you, know, you know how? Side fact? What? Because the person that was selling ice cream cones ran out of cones, and the guy that was selling waffles had plenty of them. Clever. Who wanted a waffle? Yeah, nobody wanted a waffle. And now nobody the, likes waffles the, when it's hot. And now the Adler Knight collaboration. So good work, good work, St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, slow clap oh, for St. Louis. Well, clap. Well. slow clap for St. Louis. <laughs> My response to you guys was that we talk about photography nonstop. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's. We, we talk about other things, but photography but comes to the forefront. Yeah. And I know we share the, the way we think about lighting and image making is very similar. And, and I understand how he shoots. I guess I've seen you once or twice shoot, but I've never been in 
assistant role like I was this week. Mm-hmm. How often I'm do you guys collaborate? You. He assisted me, yeah. How often do you guys collaborate with other people? Like, does that happen much, or do you turn to peers for advice and for for do, do reviews? Do you mean like a, like a team, or do you? No, I just mean in terms of, of talking through your thought processes, talking through uh, what it is you want to create, the things that you want to do. Do you turn to other photographers and say, "Hey, how how do I how do I execute this?" Or do you turn to them in post and say, oh, hey, I, I definitely what, do. what do you think of this work?" Yeah, I've got a few people that that I I teach with who are really great resources for that, and you know, it, it's. Uh, knowing knowing your strengths and knowing other people's strengths is incredibly valuable because you got someone who's better than you at something whether it's um concept or or history and yeah i mean with with the the dramatic portrait book there were definitely a couple of periods in history i'm i'm, a, I'm an art historian hobbyist so i went to people who are experts at it i said hey look over this double check Double check my facts. Right. Make sure I didn't I didn't screw anything up. By all means, yeah, it's you gotta you gotta get over ego and 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 thinking that you have to be in control of every conceivable element. It's good to make those decisions, but but also know when it's good to ask for the opinion of someone else. But you just have to be aware of that person's strengths and if they are actually good at it. This book was a pretty big deal for you. For me, yeah, it's my yeah, first book. Right. And uh, when did you when did you decide that you had to do this? I'd always wanted to do a book. It was just, it was kind of a bucket list item for me. And about a year ago, I met with the guys at Rocky Nook and, and pitched a couple of a couple of ideas. And this was the one they went with and spent the last year writing it on weekends. A lot of times, Lindsay and I would write it side by side on weekends. She She's doing her posing book. And I did this and we just kind of hammered it out together and would bounce ideas off as we went. And it, it really worked pretty well. So what was the other book? You had other ideas. Uh, the other book that I pitched was take – it was a little bit more conceptual, which was the idea of taking different stylistic movements through art history and translating them into photography. I, when I was in college, I took this class, which was – I think it was technically an English credit, but for for nerds, for like computer <laughs> nerds, like techie nerds, because I minored in computer science when I was in college. And what'd you major in? Was that actually in the course guide? What? For nerds? For nerds, yes. Right, FN is the yes. abbreviation. Ah, uh, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Uh, uh, I majored in broadcast journalism, but I minored in computer science. And they offered this English credit, which was kind of this combination of digital media and English. Uh, it wasn't really an English class. It just kind of fulfilled a credit. But it was basically translating classic ideas into modern modern forms and we we would dissect like the Joseph Campbell hero and how you'd see all of these stories get repurposed and reused over time and then how do you take these stories and retranslate into something new Shakespeare worked for Shakespeare and it also works presently and we see different incarnations of the stories he tells exactly over and over and over exactly so like for that class we had to do something with symbolism and how we basically had to take a classic idea and turn it into a comic book because that was the modern interpretation of that particular story. And I was always fascinated by the idea of let's take a classic story and reimagine it in a modern telling, which is kind of what we did with, with one of the shoots in the tutorial where we took a classic painting and reimagined it in a, in a modern setting. It was that same idea, but we kind of put our own little spin on it. 
And that was kind of what the book was. Let's take different movements and translate it into modern tellings of photography. So we would take sculpture and we would translate sculpture into photography. Or we would take the Baroque period and turn that into photography. And that, that was kind of the initial pitch, but a little bit, little bit uh, complicated for a first book. And so we went with the dramatic portrait, which had a little bit more marketability and I think was probably the right decision. But I think the, the point that he made just there, that he took a random English credit class, that if you actually look at what the class was, it, I think it changed who he is and his art today. And you would have never have thought about it because it's reflected so much, so much of what he does is that uh, a modern take on old paintings or or traditional art. And so, I mean, my point is this is one of the reasons that I know we both try to expose ourselves constantly to other things, whether it's other education or, or uh, whether it's a documentary or whether it's going to the museum, because you don't know what that catalyst right. that could completely change the way that you see yourself, your work, photography in general can be. So what was, unexpected the, what was the catalyst for you? He had this random you know, for nerds, English class. What, sure. what was your catalyst? Um, so I did actually go to school for photography, photography and business. And I took this class that it wasn't a shooting class. Um, it was a basically history of photography class, mm -hmm. um, but specifically the history of fashion photography. And it just, I liked the teacher. He was very much a storyteller. So I knew right. it would be kind of an easy class. And, um, and I saw the images and I was never a fashion like a fashion auto, like that, that's not, I'm not a fashionista. I'm not, um, fashion itself is not what I'm passionate about. And so when I took the class and all of a sudden fashion images came up, I hadn't really ever studied them before on my own. And I remember that feeling of going, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Because I didn't think it was fashion photography because I wasn't passionate about fashion itself. Right. That's a pretty good feeling to all of a sudden go, whoa. Yeah. This is what I need to do. It's also yeah. a pretty nice jacket for someone who's not a fashionista. <laughs> Thank you. Badass. French connection. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, no, but I mean, I, do, you de I developed it as well, though, because no, as, yeah, I, yeah. as I started looking at more fashion images, I started to figure out what aesthetics appealed to me and why. And I just remember seeing, I kind of felt like in fashion photography, I'm like, this is the culmination of what great images are because it was beautiful posing and storytelling and concept and styling and use of color. Like, Every single element was always thought through for a greater purpose, and I loved that. Um, and I wasn't ever attracted to fine art photography for me personally. I always loved the merger of, and, and you've mentioned this in, in uh, some of your videos, of art and commerce. That's exactly what attracted me because I loved photography as a, a challenge of you know, achieving a goal because I, too, was a nerd, and I liked problem solving, and I liked was. school. Oh, what? <laughs> I, I, I used to hide it well. Face it, you both are a little nerdy. It's just oh, yeah. It yeah, it's no, okay. totally. You should hear our regular dinnertime conversation. <laughs> this is really... So, Lindsay, I'm curious. Really you, said, you said it took about 10 years before you really found the beat. What was your early work like? What were you doing in those Terrible. 10 years? This is yeah. bad. Oh. Yeah. We but also, I, think that's I think we all say that. I mean, my, my no, early portfolio's got to look at them like, oh, wow. If you, if you look at your it's early terrible. work and you say, yeah, I was... I was onto something. Most of the time, it's because you're not better now. Right. So you should go into dry cleaning or something. <laughs> um, I mean, I did. I did. Dry cleaning's hard, Rob. Have you ever tried that? That's no. a complicated business. Is How? It? A lot of ins, a lot of outs. Like, <laughs> like, what kind of cleaning is happening back there with no chemicals? There's got to be something. I know, right? Yeah, there's nothing dry about it. What's, what's the deal? 
what's the deal with dry cleaning? <laughs> they oh gotta have gosh. some kind of chemicals That's back there. Good, <laughs> oh my gosh! So la- last night, last was. night at dinner, we were talking about Seinfeld. Greatest right. show ever? Ever quickly? Yes or no? Uh, yeah, I, I think it could be for the simple fact that it had nothing going on that everybody could relate to. It was so simple, um, and it never lost its edge. I don't think. I think it kept getting better. Yeah, I mean, is, it, is it the greatest show ever? I don't know. Is that a fool's errand to try and yeah, classify something well, into it, a greatest show? I think you have to get parameters ever. because is it the greatest show ever in terms of lighting? Hell no. You know, is the cinematography good on it? No, because there isn't any. It's that's just, not what dictates the, the good show. Right, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. You have to put parameters the on intro it music. to decide. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty good. That show, that show 100% still holds up today. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. The, the only thing that dates it is the lack of the cell phone. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, like... Yeah, some of the clothes. Yeah, but, I mean, the, right. the, the things they talk about, 100% still right. hold up today. That's why it's such a good show, because everybody relates to it. <laughs> it holds up. Here we go. We're totally, yeah, totally. Next awesome. thing you know, we're going to go Beatles or Stones. Right, so welcome to, is welcome no to the Seinfeld podcast. I know, I know what his is. Yeah, mine too. All right, so, so back. Well, maybe. Are you Stones or Beatles? Because I'm Beatles. Oh, all the way. Man, I'm, I'm Beatles. He's I'm, definitely Beatles. I'm, I'm, nice. I'm, I'm Beatles, but I still, I still love the Stones. I love the Stones I'm neither. Too, but I'm neither. It's Led Zeppelin. You, you can't join this conversation. It's Led Zeppelin. So, okay, so there is, there is this theory that most people are either Beatles or Stones fans. Led most, Zeppelin, Stones, then Beatles. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Let me finish. So most people, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, most I people apologize, are, Chris Knight. It's okay. Most people are either Beatles, Beatles or Stones fans. That's that's the main the main qualif- the main um, delineation, right? Then people are either Zeppelin fans or the Who fans. No, the Who's, not, the Who's not even but that's, in but that's, my top but that's, ten. But that's a, that's, a, rock. that's a split for a They're lot. They're not of even in my top ten of classic rock. Really? Yeah, definitely not. Uh, who's pretty amazing? I mean, who's great? I would, I would have Pink Floyd or The Doors way before the. Who. I saw The Who the day I graduated from college in my college stadium. That was a pretty awesome night. Yeah. I was, was supposed to cool. see The Who at uh, Desert Trip, but then right. my sister got married. Yeah, she kind of messed yeah, up for both of us. Actually, we were supposed we were both sure? I know. We were going to bring the whole team. I know. We got tickets for the whole studio, and then wow. my sister goes and gets married, and on top of that, she asked me to guess. Photograph it? Shoot, shoot it? Oh, no. And guess and what? I, what did he say? Guess what he said? Guess what? He said yes? Yes. What? Oh, wow. I didn't even shoot yeah. weddings. It was the most stressful day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. That's why she just said no. You, you, you should have seen it. So we're in this like park in San Francisco, and she's supposed to get married during the day, but it's, but it's raining. So then all of a sudden, it the wedding's at night, and it's in the park, and it's pitch black. I have a para 88 on an extension cord in the middle of the woods, like a hundred foot extension cord. What? I got para eighty eight. I got I got all sorts of but I think it's better. Just to, to be fair, cops show up and people get shot. Yeah, at yeah. Them. So yeah, para eighty eight is the wedding photographer's lighting <laughs> modifier. Yeah, right. Choice. <laughs> <laughs> I know, what is this? No, so obviously so then, he's got a lot of experience. So on top of this, on top of this, we had just uh, kind of finished rapping with J Kick, so like gel photography was now in my repertoire, right? So I'm like, okay, after the ceremony, I'm going to like set up this gel lighting like on the front patio and it's going to be great. Like all the guests are going to get like gel lighting. So I start setting up this whole studio and all of a sudden these cops start like zoot, like come into the park. And like, these are like big trucks that are not like cop cars. SWAT team. It's like SWAT SWAT tanks. So so they, they get out and they have M16s. Half the guys are in camouflage. They're like, everybody get inside. I'm like, holy shit. (laughs) Someone had just shot a cop. And oh now he was in the park within like a hundred feet of us, mm. somewhere hiding in the trees, and it's dark. Did you say, "Hold up, yeah. I'm trying to shoot Jake"? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I got enough right now. stress right now. <laughs> I got cops, 
So they shut my whole photo booth down. Oh, now no. inside, limited to just a camera, speed light, and then just like everyone like packed inside of a, a, a speed light being a pair of 88. Yeah, how did you shoot the, the wedding portraits on a pair of 88? Oh, uh, well, a few hours passed and then we were able to go back outside. Okay. But I, I had, they, well, they killed the guy. They, they yep, so. It worked out. I ended up just doing simple, non-gelled, classic portraits. It was great. We One totally life. digressed. Anyway. Rabbit yeah. hole. I don't know where. Well, that, we <laughs> went from the who <laughs> to your sister's wedding at Cops. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Man. Man. So back to this week. Chris, okay. I, want, I, want, I want to back up. I want, a, that I was to, a good segue. Well yeah. done. You've done this before. <laughs> I'm a professional <laughs> podcaster. So I want to go back. I'm curious. Did you practice uh, the photo shoots that you had drawn out? That had been something you wanted to do for a while. Mm-hmm. Did you practice lighting them, or did you just already know it? Did you know what you were going to do? I mean, it, you got to be honest. Uh, to be to be honest, I've never lit like that before. Not not a hundred percent because it was so specific to the scene. Um, conceptually, yeah, a, a million times. But but that's really the whole point. Is when doing doing stuff like that, it's not necessarily about coming with this formula that absolutely has to work for this particular scene. It's adaptable. It's this organic thing that needs to work for whatever it is you happen to be doing at the time. So there's a scalability. And that's kind of the biggest takeaway that I don't really want to get lost on people, which is although I'm using scrims and 10 modifiers or whatever the case may be, it's not really about that because I use the same ideas the same process when I'm shooting in a eight by eight space. I shoot in a room that's eight feet by eight feet, probably 80% of the time, maybe a little bit less, but, but often. And it's the same principles that are applied. It's just the scalability. So when I want to light a room or I want to light this scene, I just increase the size of the modifier, but the concept remains the same. The way I'm approaching it is exactly the same. I just make a bigger modifier and like an eight foot modifier happens to be the right big modifier because it's relative for what I'm used to using. So that's really, that's really the big, the big thing is, and then once you know that you can do that, it becomes universally applicable no matter what you need to apply it to. Yes, I've shot with scrims before. Yes, I've shot with grids before. Yes, I've created a similar lighting setup in a certain scene, but no, this is totally unique. And that's the point. It should be unique that it's, it's appropriate to what you're doing, not going in with something that has to fit this pre-configured idea of, of what your lighting needs to look like. Yeah. I think it's great that you came and you pushed yourself and you, you tackled some stuff that you've been wanting to do for a while. You didn't come in with the mentality of, Oh, I'm just, all right, I'm going to teach this. It's rote. I'm going to get it out there. And then when you, when you're just in your tools, when you understand a light, it's just, you're right. able to pre-visualize it. I know what it's going to look like. Right. And then you just have to make the equipment do that. I know. I've got a, a notebook filled with a million ideas. Sometimes it's taken me even a decade to get an idea yeah. from that notebook actually onto a piece of film. It feels good, film. though. It, it feels, feels really good. good. So how, how, how much of your work do you pre-visualize in the sense that it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a couple of years to come to fruition? I want both of you. I'd love both of you to talk about your, your creative process in terms of planning, thinking, and then finally getting it out there. Yeah, so I am not planning exactly how an image will look, but I have an overall concept. And I have a constantly 
changing and modifying list of things, of images, of concepts I have to shoot someday, like things I need to do. And so actually I'm going to be doing one um, at a location that I discovered uh, last year that I said, I have to shoot at this location. So I planned ahead and then a year later, I'm finally shooting that. Uh, But I would say at any given time, I have actually made uh, probably about six to 10 mood boards. So mood boards, Mm -hmm. inspiration images, um, and I have them in a folder on my desktop. And there are times where I quickly come up with another idea, build that mood board, I store it there. And then later I realize, you know, maybe there's another one that I'm bored of and I, I take it out, but it's, it's kind of a, uh, constantly changing. And then when I shoot them, it's, it's always fascinating to see how similar or how completely different they are because it always evolves. So he, I know for his third shot, uh, for his tutorial, when I, I said to him, I, I said, you know, I, I, can you explain what you're doing? I have no idea what your concept's going to be. He knew Exactly. He knew where people were going to be placed. He knew the types of light. And he had really thought through it. Most of the time, mine are much more fluid than that. But there's, there's also a lot of bit of fluidity in my, my approach. So it, it really depends. The, the, third, the third shoot was something that I had had planned for a long time. It's part of a much bigger project. Um, there's another shoot I'm planning that'll probably be finished by the time this comes out where I'm doing a St. Sebastian and I'm doing the classic and I'm doing the modern take on it. And it's something that I've had for a long time, but it was a matter of getting all the pieces to fit together and, and, and investing a little bit into that. Um, but when you would look at like the first image we had, for example, we had all the time to plan it out and we did to a degree, but then there were definitely, there were things that were like, Hey, what what if we throw this in? Mm -hmm. And we did that on the day. And it totally changed how it looked. Mm-hmm. We had a couple of elements. Props. It was like, hey, let's, let's throw this in. Let's throw yeah. this in. And that totally changed how it was going to be. So, and I had a vague idea about what like the first shoot was going to be. But, and then that, that's kind of like the process. The first one was really vague. I kind of was like, well, it's kind of going to feel like this. And it did. Mm-hmm. And the second image was a little bit more focused. And Lindsay and I had talked about this. She's like, oh, man, I... Like based on your inspiration images, I knew exactly like the way you'd pull everything together in your for the your, first and second right. ones. I your, knew exactly what his shots would look like. Your 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 styling, everything else. I knew exactly what it was going to look like. So for the people that don't know, like let's t- describe the shoots that we did. Like, okay, so people have a frame up. So the first shoot, we basically tried to create something that was your Vanity Fair slash Hollywood Reporter sort of a celebrity shoot, which was, um, you know, we got we got great. Great clothes, tucks in a sequiny dress, and and great hair and makeup. And we'd want to make it feel like Hollywood, old Hollywood. We had a Fresnel on the back, creating glare, or sorry, creating haze, and uh, the, the flash against the haze machine. And that damn hazer, which everybody loves. Oh Amazing. man, one everyone loves morning. a haze machine. Yeah, studio's never been so foggy. Oh my, but it, but it looked <laughs> great. It looked like a Saturday night in here. <laughs> we've awesome. been, we've been we see a disco ball. Uh, it made talking we, hard for all of it, but but uh, it's worth it. Totally. 100% worth it. Uh, so, but that was the, the Haze Machine, last minute edition, right. that, uh, that made all the difference in the world because we used really it did. all three days. Right. We literally got it the morning of day right. one. Same it's with like, the Fresnel. Hey, yeah. Which that's, that's something that's really important to, to be open to trying something you haven't done before and to be willing to adjust immediately and say, you know what? I got this idea. I got to try it. Let's see what happens. And, yeah. it, and it turns out, Sometimes it turns out amazing. And so, and again, for the second shoot, which we did this Don Quixote themed story driven set of images, uh, you know, we had the, the, the horse prop, which we had in a few different varieties and it went through like three or four different incarnations of how are we going to go with this directionally? And I shot 
two or three different versions of it because I didn't quite know how it was going to mm-hmm. go. And I had a preferred method once we, uh, once we got Sean from RGG in there and, and kind of moved it on. I was like, it would just kind of work. And that was definitely like the right, the right. Um, Should we put him on the spot and bring him out here right now? Oh my God! Yeah, uh, that's a special guest coming out. Right now. <laughs> no, he's he's Sean so Kirkland. Yeah, no, he's out here, the director of this tutorial. All right, Sean, no come on, join he's us. Coming out, but come out here and talk about it. I'll take your spot. <laughs> I love the giggle. Good giggle. Oh, yeah. Hi, Shawnee. They Hi, always do this to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's good for you, though. It promotes growth. Sean, you were incredibly helpful this week, and you did a great You're job. You're awesome. Well, thank you. And 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 a model twice. Yeah, that was that was fun. First time actually being in an image Look at one you. of our instructors. Also, Look at you. also list. you were incredibly stable with the Red Bull can on your head, and you didn't move. It was great. Yeah, Chris actually nailed a Red Bull can off my head with a Nerf gun. I didn't from see about it. it was a high powered Nerf gun. Eight, no, I mean, eighteen I'm, feet away. No, I didn't see it. Oh my I'm, gosh. I'm, I'm really bummed I missed that. The key was he was like, "Cover your face, protect your face in case I hit your face," and, and I just said. No. No, I trust you. Let's do <laughs> Which this. Which was a mistake. Which is a terrible idea. Apparently it wasn't. Out. It worked out well. Huh. <laughs> Never had a doubt. <laughs> I did. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. Now, what was their segue here? Oh, they I just wanted know. to embarrass me. Yeah, oh, we okay. just wanted to embarrass him. But you know what? I want to embarrass you guys. I want to ask you, what, what about your process, what about you as a person, as an individual, is your greatest weakness as a photographer, as an image creator? So I have a weakness that I am very aware of and I'm always trying to work on. And and we actually kind of mentioned this at at lunch that um, I struggle with decisiveness and trusting my own instincts Mm -hmm. Uh, because I try to surround myself with people that are experts, people that have been uh, doing it much longer than me or or have more credentials than me. And that, that might be the hairstylist, the makeup artist, an art director, a set designer. And so... A lot of times when you're surrounded by these people, it's hard not to let them take over the shoot or let them influence the direction. And so it's hard to be the captain of the ship. And so one Mm -hmm. of my weaknesses is second guessing myself and looking too much to other people when I some of my favorite and most of my favorite images are ones where I stood up and and I made the decisions and I was decisive. And I'm trying to force myself to do that more. Um, yeah, I think it's one of the most difficult decisions or the, the most difficult points for any photographer. It is when you've got a team around you and you're relying on them for their expertise, for whatever sector they're coming in for, whether it's a food stylist or a hair and makeup stylist, whatever expertise, you need to rely on them and you need to collaborate with them. But at the same time, you can't give up too much control because right. then you lose sight of the image and nobody knows what the direction is. And it has to be your direction, your vision at the end of the day. Yeah, and so what's that balance? And that's right. so it's difficult. And I've worked through other challenges before, but that's the one that I'm struggling with right now. And I, I know that I'm, I'm being acutely aware of it. And I think that's one of, the, one of the things that photographers try to do is try to actually be aware of what your weaknesses are because then you can improve them. So what is it? And that's why uh, reaching out with, you know, being involved in groups that give you critique. Or for me, I was never much of a group critique person, but finding a photographer I actually admire and I actually respect to ask for their opinion because when it's someone you don't admire or respect or some random person in a Facebook group, which Facebook groups are great. Unsolicited critique? Right. So when it's, when it's a random person, the critique, it might 
it might be completely valid, but then you can go, uh, who the hell is that? Like, I'm not going to take that person's right. critique. But when it's someone that you actually respect, then you've got to take a step back and, and look to it. And so you actually had, you'd actually mentioned this before about collaborating. I mean, Chris and I, we are both each other's final check before mm-hmm. an image goes online. Um, or we send each other a group of 10 different images. Which one do you like better? Right. Well, I do the 10 images. You do like the three. You're more selective. <laughs> I shoot less. Yeah, you shoot a lot less. I shoot fewer pictures. Um, yeah. So, Chris, what's your weakness? Uh, mine is probably overthinking things and, and thinking, hey, it's not just quite ready yet, and which is kind of a, a second-guessing myself. But, you know, the, the, the third shoot we, we had, I had in my back pocket for a long time, but it's part of a, a much bigger selection of images, bigger group of images that I've not shot anything for yet because it's just kind of like a... Just, so do you think it's a risk for you to, to create an image and put it out there when it's... when you? Don't I don't know if it's, it's necessarily a risk because I'm, I was really happy with how it came out and I, I knew how it was going to turn out. It was just, it's, it's part time and it's part financing, you know, to, to, for yourself. It's, it's tough to really, to, to know what you want it to look like. And when you don't have the capability to invest the time and, and budget into something that you know is going to be, like it needs to be at a certain level. And if you can't get it there without a certain investment, it's kind of like, well, why do, why do I want to do it? Because I know what it could be, but I just, I gotta, I gotta make it right. right. And I want to make it right. It's, there's a, there's a perfectionist part of me that that always wants to make it yeah, yeah, right yeah. that's the that's a common thread for all oh, the time it's just it, being it, you know perfectionist it's ocd it's like how do i yeah. how do i live with what i've done right right, right? and i don't want to sacrifice but something you love that, what you've done right but i don't <laughs> want to sacrifice certain qualities if if i can help it and so i, I just like well, i'll just wait a little bit longer a little bit longer and then it becomes a time thing and then time and gets away for you exactly and then it never happens exactly sean kirkland i'm not leaving you out of this what's your greatest weakness well, before I tell you my greatest weakness, okay, um, I just wanted to comment on something about what Chris was saying. Um, he was actually very decisive on set, like mm-hmm. boom, boom. I was super stuff. impressed. And so, if he's saying that that's a weakness, that's got to be a result of him just planning that well and just having that much attention into the project ahead of time. Because when it came time to pick that chandelier for that shot he looked at all the choices and said that one walked away yeah i think he's saying it's coming earlier i think it's coming for you earlier in the Mm -hmm. in the thought process Mm -hmm. before you actually get to the execution you get hung up in the thought process yeah but i also don't think that's necessarily a bad thing in in totality because you think through it you're not just making a decision because it's arbitrary it's got to percolate it's got to it's got to really develop and 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 ferment and i think you know, if, if you have a set of images and you're really anxious to run back and work on them, that is going to influence your decision as opposed to if you sit on those images for a week or two and then you go back and revisit them, you're going to have a different interpretation mm-hmm. of it. Absolutely. And so it's the same thing with the ideas and the decision making. So maybe I'll, it'll come to me and I'm like, OK, well, this and this. And then I'll come back to it a little bit later and think, well, what if I tweak it a little bit more and go this direction? And then I, I, I have people I'll go, hey, what do you think about this? Does this make sense to you? Is this does this clearly articulate? When I have the stuff that's that's complex, like like the shoot three, like that was that was conceptually complex. Mm-hmm. But you never explained what it was yet. Oh, should should we do that? Oh yeah, we okay. didn't. Yeah, we glossed over that. So shoot one was the old Hollywood Vanity Fair, old Ho- Hollywood Reporter style. Shoot two was the character portrait. We did Don Quixote, which which was that personal story for me. It was about you know. Uh, 
well, we'll watch the tutorial. The third one was <laughs> the third one was taking a painting by Caravaggio and reinterpreting reinterpreting it in the, in a modern telling. And we took Caravaggio's Nativity and we did a modern interpretation of it, which was uh, a commentary on celebrity culture. And we turned the Nativity into a scene with a Kim and Kanye lookalike. That turned out to be great. I was I was really impressed by that. I had I will admit that I didn't quite know where it was going to go. Nobody did. Yeah, yeah. me neither. Everybody really? was like, "No." I feel like I, I can say this it now. Well. I can say this now that the image. Sean, is such I thought you had my back success. on this. <laughs> no, I I did, but generally <laughs> I did. when I would explain it to people, I would say this is kind of his idea, and people would say, "Okay," like I'm not sure I fully understand. Does it and make when, sense now? When it started, oh god, yeah. Okay, good. Coming together, everyone's jaw just dropped, right. and. It's a it's see. His, it's, it's not that people didn't have faith; they just couldn't. They they couldn't see that vision that you had, and that's what we were talking about earlier. It's really hard to articulate your vision and get the whole team on board, and some and you still have to drive that bus, right? Mm-hmm. You had a very clear vision for this, um, and I think a lot of people in in the studio around us were just like not quite sure how it was going to come together. I know when I started looking at those images, I was like, "Holy cow!" The connection that that it had for me to pop culture, but also to the um, historical aspect, to the painter, to to the world of art history, I was like, yeah, that's well, that was, that's got a that's got a hard. That, well, that was what was so great about Caravaggio is as a painter, he was taking these classic stories like the Nativity, and he was telling them in modern ways with modern right. people and modern clothing. And so I wanted to kind of reinterpret that idea and right. say, all right, well, let's let's tell it in in, in our modern way based right. on modern on way. But for him, like when we look at that now, that's antiquity for us, right? right. But it was exactly. it was a modern way for him, right? It's pretty interesting, yeah. We're, oh, Gary's coming we're losing Shawnee Sean. Uh, <laughs> here to serve. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, oh. You're really working for that 20%. <laughs> I work hard for the money. Yeah. Welcome and, back, uh, Gary did, Martin. Oh, I'm back. Did you enjoy your, your siesta on the couch? Sean, I just want to thank you for just jumping in there. I, I really wanted to bring him in because he was a lot of the creative behind this. He took Chris's book, really dissected it, he read did. the whole thing. And really obsessed over that book and stressed I'm over that so book sorry. <laughs> for so long. Like, and, and it was great to see the whole thing kind of come together. And it was great to see how his mind works in terms of how he broke down the sections and mm-hmm. how like that tutorial structure comes together. Right. That's shot like a live action. Sean did a, a really tremendous yeah. job with, with, with all that and, and building the curriculum around the book. In a way that felt like an extension of the book. I think each of them stand on their own, but they work better together. There's still a lot more in the book. Yeah. There's a lot that we couldn't even the, get the to. Book, the book goes into depth on a lot of things that we don't, and then we go into more depth, and we really expand on a lot of the concepts in the way that the book can't. Because the book is meant to be a little bit more accessible, especially breaking down common concepts and, and core components. And then even the lighting techniques and stuff are, are quite a bit more simple in the book. And then... The, the the video tutorial takes those as a starting place and then ramps it up to 11. <laughs> this one goes to 11. This one goes up to I would 11. say our tutorials go to 11. Right. Yeah. Yeah. right. Yeah. And it does. And, and I, that was, I think... Lindsay, can you do a good British accent? No. no. Come on, we should try She's that. She's not going to try it. I can do Harry Potter accent. Yes, do the Harry Potter. No, Hermione? I like yeah, Harry like, Potter. <laughs> I don't know. Be like... Give me something to say. That always goes up to 11. No, I can't do that. 
can. Well, not with that, that attitude. Was, that, was <laughs> that was in Harry Potter. <laughs> I know that that's not the case. <laughs> I've actually never seen that movie. Spinal Tap? Yeah, never oh seen it. Oh, my God. I knew what it was oh from. My I knew what it was from. Fire is such a good movie. Yeah. It's classic. Chris, you failed. You failed. I, I have – Chris has built me a list of – Easily fifty movies that he cannot believe I haven't seen yet. So that's usually my right, so reaction. What are, what are the what? Top, what are the top five that I haven't seen yet? Uh, Vertigo is one. Come on, help me out. Break break it down. There's there's many many movies you haven't seen that you should. Just one top five. What okay, should everybody so see? Top said, five. Chris yeah. Knight. Put it okay, out there right everybody, now. Everybody, not just me. So. Top five movies everyone should yes, see. Everyone. Just in general. Just in general. Yes. My favorite movie is Blazing Saddles. Oh God. Favorite movie yes. all time. Favorite movie all time. Blazing Saddles. Oh, yeah. And we tell me what we and did. So I took one. her to Mel Brooks at Radio City Music Hall. It was a it was a Q and A and a screening of Blazing Saddles. Oh my God. And he it was, was a riot. Oh it was my one God. of my God. That's awesome. The highlights of my life. Yeah, that's cool. He had so much energy. And yeah, he's yeah. like 90 something. Mm-hmm. And he was just he was just playing to the crowd and so energetic. And man, he was he was inspiring because you see someone who's truly passionate about what they've devoted yeah. their life to. And you could see it. And he had just as much energy now as he probably had 50 years ago. And it ago. was right after Gene Wilder passed away. The two days. It's like, it was like a day oh, after wow. two days. Yeah. Great, great movie. I'm with you on that. Oh, that's that's my you. favorite movie. Yeah. Okay, next. I don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you my favorite movie is Blade Runner. All right, Ridley Scott. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're coming out with a new one. Hundred percent holds up. I've seen that thing a million times. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that Still many good. times. It's amazing. I, I can tell you a couple others. So, Citizen Kane was one that he told me to watch that I didn't realize that I liked old movies because I seen oh, old men, and then I saw Citizen Kane, and I was my jaw was dropping the yeah, entire the time. Light, I mean, uh, and the, the camera movement. Yeah, I was most I was most taken by the light, but I think that's and think of the period. Think of when that was executed. I mean, that's. Stunning. Mm-hmm. Anything Hitchcock? I mean, Hitchcock is is my jam, especially when it comes to uh, telling story through color. He was amazing. Vertigo, you know, was, was a great. It's funny because I don't think of Hitchcock, and I don't think like when I think Hitchcock, I don't think color. Well, he was he was one right. of those people who could. I don't either. Who could do the, the the? He did the the sixth sense. Uh, sixth sense, right? Fifth sense. Sixth sense. Uh, the yeah. Shyamalan movie. He would do the Sixth Sense stuff with color because Shyamalan would. I the think, red. He would do red, right? Yeah. But he would do it to a much more complex degree. It was the same idea. So he would he would use color association to say, okay, well, this person is going to be associated with this color constantly, right? And then he would change it, and you you would have a reaction to it, but it was him tricking you, right? Beautiful. Character driven. Yeah. He's driving character through color. Character driven. And and the change in that character, right, through that color. And I mentioned this earlier today, which when we're talking about color, which La La Land does the same thing. I guess. And does it beautifully. And basically what happens is in the beginning the movie is incredibly vibrant, uses all these 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 brilliant bold colors and it's it's very uh, very diverse in the colors they use. And then as the movie progresses and the characters face decisions that are a little bit less idealistic and a little bit more grown up. The colors start shifting into more a more muted palette. The, co- the characters start wearing more brown. They start wearing more subdued colors. And basically the entire arc of the story is told through the wardrobe and the color choices of the movie. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty, inter- it's pretty incredible. It's pretty smart. I haven't seen yeah. it yet. It's great. I've been I've been slacking. It's great. You get out there, Rob. Have you seen it? No, no. I saw <laughs> I saw Moonlight. I haven't seen that either. What do you think of Moonlight? I haven't talking? seen it yet. Oh, you haven't seen it yet. All right. 
So number one, number two. I'm missing right. Beauty and the Beast right now. Are you really? Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is my girl's Shout out to party. Rob. Shout out to Rob for staying staying late. You're sacrificing. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> Occasionally. <laughs> so Chris, uh, Rob, and Lindsay, I have a special surprise for Chris, and I think our producer is going to go get it right now. So it might it might take a second, but we've put something together, and uh, Rob has no idea that this is happening. Lindsay has no idea that no. this is happening. I, I was guessing insomnia. I clearly yeah. have no idea this is happening. <laughs> yeah. So while this is happening, because I had to trigger the, this movement. <laughs> this movement. We need to. Uh, this scares me because I know your mind. And we need to pick. This, a, we need to pick a topic. First so, of all, the studio talk, might, might burn down. Are we insured for whatever you're about to pull? I think so. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I'm not an underwriter. Yeah, you haven't looked at the policy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. So give us a topic to talk about until, since you're the king of transitions, Chris. King of transitions. Can uh, I give one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. What are the greatest challenges that you face right now as a photographer? What, what, what's your biggest obstacle? Okay. So this is not necessarily a photography obstacle, but a life obstacle. Got and right, that's, that's fine. Time. Mm-hmm. Time. Uh, what do you choose to devote your time to? And the balance between perhaps what you find currently most fulfilling, the instant gratification, as well as the long-term payback for those things. Um, And for me, I'm always trying to figure out, is it best for me to invest more time in creating artistic images for myself and furthering my career in that way? Or is it better to invest more of my time in building the business? Or is it better... And that's that's kind of where I'm at. Life work balance. And, yeah. and also anyone, and not just life like work, 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 work balance. Which is part of work. <laughs> yeah. you know? and, and also right. yeah, anyone yeah. who says I don't have time for fill in the blank is just saying this particular thing is not a that's priority right. in my life. Yeah. Right. So it's oh, I don't have time to work out. Well, it's just it's not a priority for you. And that's just uh, that's the way you got to think about it. It's it's not about not having time. It's about dictating what your priorities have oh, to no. be. Oh, no. When you have two kids, you don't have time. <laughs> you prioritize your kids. You're, kids are yeah. yeah, absolutely right. Although, you're here right now. I know. It's oh. terrible. It's Father of the year. It's all right. Well, there's, there's going to be the one next year, you know? Well, here's the thing. Uh, Birthday's a, a kid or a here's father? The, here's the thing. No, 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 no. Here's the okay, thing. We're, they're doing both? a movie now. I'm going to catch them for dinner. Then we take them all back to the house. We're doing a slumber party. I'm oh, going to wow. have them tomorrow morning. It's I'm an make extended event. Chocolate chip waffles, homemade chocolate chip waffles, Aww. or pancakes. Either one, whatever uh, they want. I would want. love to have you make chocolate chip waffles. I make good ones. I make good ones. All homemade by scratch. Bam. Kids love them. Sounds excellent. Are you guys cooks? Do you guys cook? Do you have a, a favorite thing? You I haven't every... cooked a meal in at least cook. six years. Well, I like to cook, actually. You're I on the road. When, like I, was, when I was a teenager, I worked as a cook in a restaurant. Oh yeah, yeah. Did. I like to cook. Yep, me too. It was one of my first jobs. I I love cooking on a grill. I don't have a grill where I live, uh, but but I, I do love. That would cost. I, I love a grill. Thirty thousand dollars a year to have a. No, you it have would. to have a yard. It would. Yeah, yeah. that would cause problems I, in my life. I, I actually, my my biggest no. cooking thing right now that I just came up with, I just I just discovered was okay, the sous vide cooker. Josh is walking. It was happening here. <laughs> hey, all right. To so this body. has been one of my goals. Like you got some of your goals. I've always wanted to do this, and. You know, now I can't do it. So on behalf of RGG EDU, mostly just Gary, because Rob probably doesn't approve. <laughs> this is why we didn't tell him. <laughs> We've gotten you a present. Oh, my and, God. And- oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> what? 
Why? You can the take it. Out. It's for hell. you. Chicken. Can you where, touch where, it? Where yeah. were you keeping can this? I don't know. We just got it off Craigslist. <laughs> no, you did. What are we doing with this after the podcast? Josh is going to take it home and it's going to lay eggs. <laughs> well, the nice thing is it kind of make... matches the table in terms of tonal qualities. It's a hen. It lays yeah, eggs. It's that's... got at least three eggs in it. I mean, Rob, you could take it home and have uh, scrambled eggs in the morning. That's oh the weirdest God. thing I've ever What happened to the back of its neck? It's not the healthiest baby. Seriously, you went out and got a chicken on Craigslist. You're asking me for petty cash. I I swear to God, I thought you were going to get weed. And you got a chicken. I swear. He's getting weed. I'm surprised it's just sitting right there. What's your name? Because it doesn't know what to do. Yeah. Don't jump off the table. Give it a mic. Give it a mic. It wants to say something. Josh, did you pluck the feathers off the back of the neck? What's up? Come here. <laughs> this is gonna poop on my new dining room table. Isn't oh, that's it? all yeah, right. Totally, that's all right. It's poop. Yeah. Oh, hey, uh, you know this table is slick. Come oh, don't here. fall off, please. Don't how, fall off. How did oh, you man. know it's exactly what I wanted? Right? Oh, it's looking. It's thinking about jumping down. Wait, did you want a chicken? No. <laughs> what am I gonna do with a chicken? Listen, everybody wants a chicken. How is he gonna fly with this back to New York? Is I what I want to know. Well, I, we got him a passport Southwest too. Has so, liberal <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna go home right now, and I'm gonna get we one of my cat pet. carriers, it's, and I'm gonna bring it back. And you can take the chicken home and a cat carrier. It's not quite Southwest, but it is the USPS, so we could box it up. Honest to God, I want to see you try to get this thing on a plane and a cat carrier. That would be like the greatest thing ever. I feel like if we got a vest for it, don't jump, don't jump. We could make it a service animal. Is he crying? I don't know. Oh, 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 damn, it just shit on the table. <laughs> That's that, how he feels. Didn't I just say a couple minutes ago things went through my neck? I thought, it, I thought it, Josh, you told me it laid eggs. You told me it laid eggs. That's not a fucking egg. They're chocolate eggs. Have one, Gary. They're chocolate eggs. In honor of He's Easter nervous. coming up. Yeah. He's nervous. Poor baby. It's, it's thinking about jumping down. It's thinking about jumping down. <laughs> This has uh, become a very different video. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Welcome to RGGEDU. <laughs> Where if it fits, it just. <laughs> Can we use that tagline? I don't no, know. It's Why not? <laughs> oh, it can't be. FedEx. If, if it ships, it fits then. We'll reverse it. Well, all right. Well, so oh. should we, we should wrap this up and get out of here. You well, guys that know. You guys got a flight in the morning? Right. I yeah, do. You're out of here? Yeah. Well, actually, let's. What is your favorite chicken dish? If you were gonna have chicken right now for dinner, <laughs> what would it be? Rob, that's insensitive. I know that's. You know, chicken is coming over. Is there smell? She heard that question. She's like, yeah. I'm not gonna be cordon bleu tonight. It looks like half Rob bird shit. shit, like, like it's white, but Why then it looks like half it? like like rabbit shit. I've never seen like chicken shit up close on a wood table. <laughs> well. <laughs> Nobody's answering my question. What's your favorite chicken? Chicken dish? Ugh. I don't know. The, the, you, you're gonna, you're gonna go Indian like tiki it's masala. Go, tiki masala is great. Like, masala is great. Yeah, masala is good. Chicken is chicken is a uh, it's a versatile dish. That's what makes it such a good a good dish. What's the key to actually my chicken, favorite chicken. though? I love a, I love it's a really chicken. weird to be talking about chicken dishes <laughs> with a chicken who's trying to decide if she should jump off the edge of the table yeah. or not. I think she wants to say something. You never know what will happen in St. Louis. Yeah. Where you can get well, the hot dog was a St. Louis, where you can get 
chickens off Craigslist. <laughs> I told Josh, I was how, like, much, hey, how much do we, we spend on this he chicken? Goes, he, he looks at me and goes, I will get you a chicken. I will get you a chicken by 3 p.m. today. I was like, Josh, go you get were a chicken. so fired. <laughs> Sorry, no, I'm you're, kidding. You're, you're rehired. Not. You're rehired. You're not. And you just you got a promotion. You got a chicken on demand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so back to the like chicken we, dish. We're we going to really end on the nailed chicken dish. the tone of the dramatic portrait yeah, with this. Right? <laughs> exactly. Look we at really, the you really got the, the point. Seriously, really I, I am really it's impressed that right you got a chicken that matches the table perfectly. Like that? Or does the table match the chicken? Yeah. What comes first? The chicken the chicken with the table. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's wrap this up. What's next for you guys? What what are you off to next? What's your next adventure? And what do you want to do next in your career? What's the next big goal? Oh, man. Yeah, I like those questions. That's a brutal one. Um, I know that for this year, part of my marketing goals was to reach out to bigger bigger companies, and market my cinemagraphs, so my moving photographs. Oh, cool. So that's more on my photography side. And then on my teaching side, I'm going to work on some longer form courses that people can follow along with because I think that that's something that I haven't tried before. I'd like to see how people would interact with that when they can really track their progress step by step. Chris, how about you? What's next? What do you want uh, to well, do? Well, I, I have a lot of things coming to fruition right now, which is the, the book and, and this, and it's, it's kind of been uh, a culmination of, of a lot of, a lot of time. <laughs> the chicken's Sorry. making noise. This chicken is upstaging me right now. You're in my shot, chicken. <laughs> it's my dream come true. I've always wanted to let a chicken loose on set. I've talked about it on so many shoots. Huh? <laughs> He's crying. Thank you. Thank you for letting me realize my dream. Gary, congratulations on it. on it. You know what? We would ask Gary this question, but we know the answer. His 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 next goal. Yeah, or what's his, next his for me is, is I don't have anything. I, I'm at it. the apex. Of my life. <laughs> 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 oh man! Don't jump, chicken! Don't. What don't a docile jump. chicken! It's like, look at it. <laughs> oh, Whoa! <laughs> Easy chicken. Oh, she is eyeing you. Yeah. I, she I mean, turned yeah, she and looked at you, and she was like, just... "What the hell just happened to me?" All right. Well. Nick, are you getting a good close-up of the chicken? <laughs> or you actually can't see. This is taking a turn. Yeah. Okay, so what's next for you, Chris? Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> First of all, our competitors would never do this. Never. You're right. That's why I'm here. <laughs> I looked around and I was like... Tears and tears. He's honestly... <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> tears of joy. I, I know, it's good. I, like, oh. I like that. I like seeing that. Uh, Who would have the gumption? Nay, the cojones. Oh, I love German. <laughs> yeah, to bring a chicken off that. The gumption, yeah. Yeah, the cojones. The cojones? The chicken? The chicken on set? Wow. Was Sean giving us the high sign? Sean was giving us the cut it loose. Okay, well. Wait, was that a sign to kill the chicken or was that a sign to wrap the. Let me say this. It has been. Yeah. An unbelievable pleasure to have both of you here in the studio. This been last week be has here. been great. We've enjoyed the process of you two making images, watching you interact. Um, it's really been, it's been great fun, and uh, we're glad to know you, period. It was fantastic, yeah. and I hope to see you guys again. Thank you for having us. Thank yeah. you. So to download this podcast and all of our podcasts for free, you can go to rggedupodcast.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Google, 
Stitcher, and on SoundCloud, where it's all for free, and it will always be for free. And don't forget to take a look at our blog, where we'll be posting our greatest chicken recipe. Yeah. Chicken Cordon Bleu will be the first one, Rob. you got to figure out how to make it. Chicken Marsala. You're mm-hmm. a Marsala guy. Mm-hmm. I'm a barbecue chicken kind of guy. Okay. Or, you know, even even Fried. recently broiled. Okay, chicken don't die. <laughs> 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 okay, chicken don't die. <laughs> and that's it. Don't, don't jump. <laughs> don't do it. Uh, now that we have a suicidal chicken in all the right. studio. Yeah. Well, you clearly thought this out. Good work, guys. <laughs> thanks again. Yeah, thanks. Later. All right, well, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to meet Kenny Chesney for a drink. <laughs>